Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Broughton coming at you from Loan Officer Impact. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you're enjoying our series. Uh, Every week we try to bring upbeat, fun, introspective insights into the mortgage industry from different uh, professionals in the industry, mostly loan officers, but occasionally we're able to attract someone from outside the industry and um, on the origination side, and we've been able to do that today. We have an awesome guest on today, a guy who I respect and admire a lot. And he's taught me a ton of things. He's been extremely, um, someone that has just really helped me grow in in my personal knowledge base and my understanding of certain things in the mortgage business. And I'm grateful for his willingness to take the time and educate me. Um, So I'd like to introduce to you my friend who's the head of secondary marketing at Success Mortgage Partners, Mr. David Sparling. David, how are you, buddy? Oh, great. Happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday to you, and thanks for joining us. Um, You know, when we talk about secondary marketing, it's really the backbone of any mortgage company, and yet not every loan originator gets a full grasp or gets to see the full side of what you do for a living. And for those of you who might be unfamiliar and newer to the business, this is the guy that on the periphery, he oversees the lock desk, but he does a lot more than that. He trades loans behind the scenes, and he sells loans on the secondary market, and he understands what the value is of a mortgage and when they're more valuable than other times and how rates are impacted by what the Fed does and says and how payroll figures and other announcements from the government impact interest rates. And this guy's just a wealth of knowledge and he's taught me so much. So Dave, with that all being said, Maybe we can start at the beginning. If you don't mind, do you mind just sharing briefly how you kind of got into this industry and what led you to this side of the industry? Yeah, sure. So graduating college, economics nerd. I was one of those people who went to college, got their degree, never thought they'd actually use it. You know, it's that stamp of approval. Yeah. My goodness, I fell into something where I actually use my degree, which I know is actually pretty rare nowadays. Um, it is. It so, is. I fell into it and I couldn't have been happier. It's that mix of working with people, working with our loan officers day to day, then also getting to do the fun, techie numbers, nerd uh, side behind it. As many people who get my uh, like weekly capital markets updates know, I'm a big chart nerd, uh, love looking at different pictures. It just makes way more sense that way. And so as, as soon as I fell into the industry, just kind of took to it and no looking back after that. Well, that's really fun. And I love the fact that your degree actually has something to do with what you do now for a living, which is great. Um, one of the things I admire, admire the most about Dave is he understands the correlation between what he does and sales. And many, many ladies and gentlemen in his role do not understand what it's like to sell out in the street. They don't understand the challenges that a market like this presents. And Dave gets it better than anyone I've ever met that does that job and his ability to communicate with loan originators is second to none. And that's one of the things I've admired about him so much is, you know, he gets it and he gets that sales are tough and that we're not in a 2021 market where you could walk in the grocery store and refinance nine people standing in line next to you and walk out with nine deals, you know? Um, so he, he understands that. But Dave, if, if I could ask just a few industry-specific questions that I think would help educate our audience, and our audience is largely loan officers. Um, so you were around, obviously, when rates hit rock-bottom lows in the high twos, right? Yep. 
And then in a what seemed to be a blink of an eye between the end of December 2021, the most rapid rate increase that we've seen in the history of recorded time in relationship to what they were and what they are now occurred over a 90-day span, correct? Then they rise um, exponentially yeah. between December of 2021 and the first quarter, end of Q1 2022? Yeah. And the the biggest thing I like to remind people when making this COVID comparison, that market for SARS, just don't forget everyone that wasn't like a normal free market. We saw that drastic improvement to rates purely because the Fed jumped in and said, we can't let the economy tank. And so a byproduct of that gas that they were stepping on were those great mortgage rates. So just keep in mind, that wasn't like a thing that just naturally occurred. It's, it was just purely an artificial creation. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen like the interest rates over time. Right now, we're actually in a very level interest rate that we saw over the past 20-ish years. Like It's it's not an out of the ordinary unless you're trying to pretend that 2020, 2021 were the norm, which was not. Correct, which we know that was government-induced and with the buying of billions of dollars of mortgage-backed securities that forced the rates down and all that. So this is a much more normalized market. I believe they've been charting interest rates for like 50 years or something. I think the average rate someone told me recently over that huge span of time was like seven and an eighth. So we're yeah. in the ballpark of where the average has been for the for the length of time this industry has been recording these rates, correct? Yes, yeah. It just doesn't feel like it because of our extreme past few years. So if you take it back five years or 10 years or so, do you recall when maybe an eighth in rate, so let's say whatever the then current interest rate for a borrower, say it was 5%. But if you looked at a rate sheet, the difference between five and going upward to five and an eighth sometimes represented 80 basis points or 90 basis points just to move an eighth. And yet today, 80 or 90 basis points could move a rate five eighths at times because of rate compression, correct? Yes, that I would say that's one of two major differences in this market. Number two is the total premium that we're using. So for instance, we did a look back and before 2022, before COVID, our rate sheets averaged an additional 2% behind them. So for instance, I know most of the people listening here are going to be very used to discount points. Can you imagine if you had an extra 2.0 behind those prices? Like, Let me make sure I'm understanding something. Yeah. So are you saying that in years past, you could sell a loan on the secondary market for, say, 500 basis points that now is only worth 300 basis points to the investor? That's exactly it. Imagine an investment property. Nowadays, most of the time, you're seeing discount points there. Yes. An extra 2.0 would... It's it's almost like hard to believe after the past few years that we've uh, seen in this market, but or your lower credit score folks, they're the ones that are kind of shocked more by not having any par rate. Or I mean, we used to have rates that are giving these large lender credits back, and that's right. just pretty extinct right now. So so to put that into perspective, just hear this out for a sec. I think this is incredibly important. And if you're in the mortgage business and you don't understand this, I think you'd be very well behooved to understand what we're about to say. But 
If a company used to sell loans for, let's say, 500 basis points, then paying a branch 300 plus basis points and paying loan officers 175, that, that was no problem because you had a pie that consists of 500 basis points to divvy up, correct? Yep. If that pie is shrunk by down to about 60% of what it used to be, that means 40% have been ripped out of those mortgages. And someone told it to me this way, and I'm just a simple guy, and I'm wondering if you could just elaborate on whether or not what I'm saying is exactly true. But someone told me that there's two reasons that these mortgages are no longer as valuable as they were in years past, and why an investor is only willing to pay 300 basis points for a loan, the exact same borrower, same LTV, same everything, two, three, four years ago, they were willing to pay 500 for. Can I go ahead and tell you what I heard the two reasons were? Yeah, sure. They said in the first reason, because rates have now escalated to the seven-ish and sometimes above range, that in the event the government induces activity again and wants to bring those rates down to four or five or five and a half, that almost everyone that's in a seven or a seven and a half is going to refinance their mortgage if they can. Yep. And if the person who bought that mortgage has it refinanced nine months later and it's not refinanced by them where it doesn't stay in their portfolio. Another entity gets to that borrower first and, and induces that borrower to refinance. Then what they bought nine months ago is literally almost valueless. Yep. So they're not willing to pay a lot of money for that today because they have a fear that could happen. That was one reason. The second reason I was told was in the event that the economy faces a larger problem than what some people believe we're on the brink of a large problem, some people think everything's great. But in the event that we stumble into a large recession, the default rate on mortgages escalates far beyond what it is today. And that's also a horribly bad day for people who own mortgages. And so those two reasons alone have driven down the value of a mortgage. Are those things both true? Yeah, I I would phrase them same thing, but the terms I would give is the very for the first number one, all you need to know is part of that mortgage value is to collect those servicing payments. Correct. That's that's the biggie here. And so if you put your mind in the shoes of uh one of those servicers getting those payments, you're kind of scared if all of a sudden you're trying to buy loans at 8% or above. I've been asked for higher and higher rates. Right. Just don't forget any little blip in the market. Now, all of a sudden, sure, that was great having that mortgage, but I only had that mortgage on my books for a matter of three, four, five months. Now it's valueless to me because they just went down the street and refined. Yes. Number two, I would just chalk that one up as uncertainty. Uh, so yeah, the default rates, but on top of that, there's just a lot of movement. You can't really say that our economy has leveled out into somewhere safe or consistent in the post-COVID era. Um, so lack of security drives the value of any asset like that downward simply due to the fact that the market's not secure. Oh, I mean, so unpredictability is risk. And risk equals cost in, in my world. That's And that's why like a lot of my job is just risk management, cost right. management. If the market does this, you get burned by that. And just, just remember that money. nugget. Unpredictability equals risk. Risk equals cost, right? Yep, that's it. 
So I think those are great, two great things to hear from Dave. And that helps clarify why the investors in essence saying, if you want more money, guys, charge it to your borrower because I'm not giving it to you, right? So get the money from the borrower. It shouldn't be free to get a mortgage in their eyes, right? Yep. And then, I mean, kind of one other thing that I want to touch on, because it's like I was just at a conference last week and the same thing kind of keeps coming up. And we we talk about it a lot, but it's that need to help give your advice and your knowledge to borrowers. What I mean by that is I know someone might come to you, ask for a loan, but I can't stress and it might feel weird. It would feel weird to me to like give advice and be like trying to show this person what they should be doing. But don't forget, you are in this industry a lot closer. You know what's going on so much more than a borrower does that at a certain point, you have to step in and really show the best decision. So here's my here's my example. Last week, Fannie Mae published their, their consumer sentiment, which is just what are borrowers and respondents saying that they feel about the market? And a whopping 82% of respondents said it's a bad time to go get a new house. But now here's what is conflicting to me that just messes with me. At the same time, 82% say it's bad, but then a vast majority of respondents say home prices are going to increase and even more actually say mortgage rates are going to continue to worsen. So why would it be a bad time to buy if your values are going up and rates are also going to go up? Like that just doesn't add up to me and shows a lot of opportunity in my opinion. So what I'm hearing you say, which I love is we must in the street be as consultative as possible, as knowledgeable as possible, and must assist our clients in making great decisions long-term for them and their families. Yeah. I mean, we grew up with the saying like the customer's always right, but in such a crazy market, like I might not, I would, well, I'd love to hear like borrowers knowing all of this and being up to speed, what's current in the industry. But if they're not, that's where there's so much opportunity to give them a little bit of knowledge. Hey, here's what happened the last week. Well, I'll give you a great example of what you just said, Dave. So as everyone on this call knows, the housing prices in America have escalated at record speeds, correct? And affordability is an issue, correct? So I read a survey that just I just saw it myself for the first time last week, but they charted the previous 80 years since 1942 in America with the average home value in America versus the prior year. And in 73 of the 80 years, values rose. So I particularly looked at last year, 2022, which a lot of loan officers would say was the worst year they've had in a long time, right? You've heard that a thousand times, right? But house prices in this country went up by 5.6%. They went up by 19% in 2021, some other astronomical number, I think 11% in 2020, but they were 5.6% increase. So just think of this for a moment. If the average house price is now escalated to $350,000 in America, which would be conservative, right? If you got a 5.6% return on $350,000, that is what, roughly 20 grand, 19 grand? Yet if your interest rate were seven and a quarter, 
versus whatever you think rates should be, three and a quarter, the differential in that on the payment is probably 300 bucks a year, a month, which is $3,600. So they might be afraid to spend $300 more a month or $3,600 more a year, yet they'd be willing to pass on 19 grand in equity. Yep. That maybe is a point that one could reiterate to people on the fence because it is a good time to buy. In fact, as you know, Dale Vermillion just did a training with us on 10 reasons to buy in today's market. They all made sense. But we have to be consultative. We have to understand it. We have to know that the information is accurate and true. And we have to be able to present it in a way that's not looking like we're trying to sell someone something, right? And so I I think those are great points. But if 82% responded in that Fannie Mae survey the way you just said, we have to educate. Yep. And I mean, we started this call with me having my roots in economics. So another one I hear is, borrowers thinking that they're going to perfectly time this. I'm going to move into my house when these rates improve. And, you know, I get I get a house where prices worsen, rates improve, I'll hop in then. That sounds nice, but quick supply and demand lesson. We already know inventory is an issue. Now, all of a sudden, rates improve. Demand's going up, supply is staying the same. Let's say it this way. There's eight bagels out there. Now, all of a sudden, twice as many people want a bagel. There's still only eight bagels. So that that bagel vendor can charge whatever they whatever want. want to. So, I mean, that's where it's it's surprising to me that so many people think they can time the market when, I mean, economists, when it's their whole life to tell you what this market's going to do, they can't do it. So maybe I'm just boring and safe. I'd be the one get in that house. And like you said, historically, that price is going up and you're making your money. Maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised and you'll get to refinance in a year or two. But if not, you're not sitting there waiting for that, those rates to improve and that house just to be waiting there for you. Well, the waiting game has proven that it doesn't really work. And if you look around many markets in this country, I've been hearing this for a year and a half. Someone's saying, oh, everything's going to collapse in Southwest Florida. (laughs) I went down there recently. Yeah. I don't think anything's collapsing. The house prices are escalating at record speeds and there's still bidding wars and there's still, you know, so there may be pockets here and there, but for the, the general reality of America, house pricing is on the rise. And like you said, if, the, if we do see a rate dip and that creates more demand, yet supply stays the same, a hundred out of a hundred times, that means prices escalate, you know? Yep. So if you pay an extra $30,000 for your house, but you get a 1% break on your interest rate. Are you ahead of the game? You're not, you know? So I think that's great um, information. So let me ask you this, because out in the street, we hear this a ton, but I hear it from people. I'm not sure where they heard it from, but, oh, rates are coming back down. Oh, by Q3, rates are coming. Oh, by Q4, rates are coming down. By Christmas, rates are coming. Yep. Do you see any indicators that, speak to that being accurate or do you see a leveling off where it is or do you see a rising rate potentiality what what do you see yeah so uh i like to defer i've got a bunch of different sources where it is their full-time job to just read these numbers right so i'm a little less original in that aspect i go straight to the guys who this is their life and so for instance fannie mae what we've seen is a lot of kicking the can down the road Sure, they said rates will probably improve a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean three-eighths, maybe by 0.5. They said that, but it's continually been pushing out. So now it's pushed out again till 2024. 
And so that's kind of the scary part. And that's why it was so surprising to me on this respondent survey where the majority of people thought rates are actually going up. Right. Because I hear the same thing that you say, where loan officers might be thinking rates are going to improve eventually. That's not what respondents said in just the the prospective borrower some, uh, survey. Correct. So in the end, I kind of chalked this up. Same with the inventory problem. Those aren't things, unless you have a bigger Rolodex of who to call than me, I'm not going to change that. I'm not changing where the rates are headed. Correct. I'm not changing uh, this inventory problem. Um, so I like to build like my game plan moving forward, assuming those are going to stay the same. Now you might see some economic announcement sending rates for the better or for the worse. Right. But with what we're seeing, that's no more than a 50-50 toss-up. And it doesn't even have to make sense. Um, one thing that comes to mind is we had one report on a Wednesday sent rates moving one direction, then Friday another report comes out conflicting it. And so it just whipsaws everybody for, you know, like a nice whitewater rafting. Route. Right. So <laughs> I'd rather not play that game. Think of like, like the things we can control our education. We can talk about, Hey, here's your finances. This is what makes sense to me. And I mean, the only thing that I would say is more certain is like the prices in the future aren't going to just come crashing down where you can be like, Oh, I should have just waited and get my house for, $200,000 left. I think we can all agree that. I don't see it either. I don't see breath. that day coming at all. And uh, I just, I just don't think that's what's ahead of us. Um, so for, for regular loan officers who might be tuning in, they'll tell me and I hear time all the time. Oh, our lock desk shut down. Oh, our lock desk shut down. Oh, they're coming out with the non-farm payroll number on Friday at 10 a.m. And that's going to impact. What are some of those things that impact interest rates? If you can, I know we're running low on time. In fact, we only have a couple minutes, but maybe we could get you on for another episode more specific to a couple of these things. But yeah. what are a couple things that drive interest rates rising and falling? And then after you answer that, I'm going to have to punt and we're going to maybe see if we can't get you back on for a more in-depth. But what are a couple indicators yeah. that change interest rates? There's an easy rule of thumb you can use. And it sounds dark, but if it's bad for the economy, it's good for us. Yeah. Don't forget mortgages, 30-year securities. This is the safe bet. This isn't the get rich quick bet of some of the stocks. Right. So this is the safety net. When things look bad, like let's say unemployment skyrockets. It's good for interest rates. It's good for us. So it's actually a nice kind of alternative to where if stocks are improving drastically, things are looking really, really good. Our market's not, not doing as good. Vice versa. And that's when the originally in COVID, we blew up is things look terrible. Like we thought things were just going to end. And rates. That's, yep. That's when yeah. Big Brother Fed steps in, saves the day, and we got to- Interest rate. And then if we hear unemployment's at an all-time low in the last 48 months, boom, up, correct? So yep. great financial news in the marketplace, bad for interest rates, terrible financial news in the marketplace, great for interest rates. Hey, but there's so, hey, I'm an optimist, silver lining here. Just don't forget- you kind of, by you getting into this industry, you kind of protected yourself. Because let's say you're not doing as good at work, your 401k should look phenomenal. That's right. <laughs> you kind of protect yourself, and then if we're booming, hopefully that makes up for uh, your finances not not growing as as aggressively. 
Dave, you've been awesome. I could talk to you all day. Um, every time I talk to you, I feel smarter. I learn something every time. And um, what I'm going to do is put out there to our audience, if you'd like to see another episode with Dave on it where he gets either more in-depth or we do a live episode where you can type in or call him with some questions, he is a straight shooter. He never sugarcoats anything. He doesn't know the answer. He doesn't lie. He says, I'll go get it for you. He's just a total level 10 dude. Um, a guy you want to know and want to be around. He's helped a lot of people have a better business because of his dual understanding of sales and economics. Um, he's just a true asset. So Dave, I thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend a few minutes with us. Um, for loan officers nationwide, here at Loan Officer Impact, our mission is to help you have a more stress-free life, a more fun-filled life, um, and to build a business, not simply have a job or a career in the mortgage industry. So keep tuning in. Dave Sparling, again, huge kudos. Thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of today, and thanks for your willingness to share your great knowledge with us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, anytime, buddy. Take care. Be sure to visit successunlimited.us for free loan officer tools, tips, and video resources. To schedule time with Kevin, visit growingwithkevin.com.